Hey there. We are coming up on the winter holidays. In fact, I believe this episode comes out on Thanksgiving Day uh, for the public, uh, at least here in America. That means that uh, a lot of people are going to be shopping. Consider going to duckfeed.tv slash tip jar if and if you're going to be shopping on Amazon. Now, if you go to duckfeed.tv slash tip jar and use the links there to Amazon, um, anything you buy uh, will end up putting money in our pocket. I don't like it's not going to cost you anything extra. I'm not sure where the money comes from. I don't know if this is like a Superman three kind of thing or an office space kind of thing. Same diff. Uh, but it does make a big difference for us. So again, duckfeed.tv slash tip jar. Uh, it's an extra step, but it makes a huge, huge dent in our expenses and stuff like that to help support the network. All right, let's hear what you think of these games. This is Gary Butterfield. This is Cole Ross. And this is Watch Out for Fireballs. It's a Games Club podcast. And this week we are reading your responses to the games we covered this month in November, specifically Transistor, Thimbleweed Park, and Act Razor. Indeed. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving to those who celebrate. Oh, yeah. 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 That, is, um, uh, and... that is absolutely the case. Yeah. There's the monthly, uh, the monthly holidays. The old <laughs> Once a month. monthly holiday for November. Yep. Oh man, I, I think the heaven once a month Thanksgiving. Every, everybody, everybody talks about the about the eleventh Thanksgiving of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the best one. Whereas, like, I'm a big. Uh, I like the one that's in that weird golf where there are no holidays. Yeah, like yeah. The April, the, the June. Yeah, yeah, the June April Thanksgiving. You know, that's a good Thanksgiving. This upcoming one, kind of some like gross colonial baggage with it. A little bit, yeah. You know, the June one's all right, but this one, yeah, not so good. Um, yeah, looking forward to, uh, to Thanksgiving. <clears throat> I like food. Um, I also like the three games we covered Yeah, and I like that everyone wrote in about it. And I'm going to get started here with Sammy, uh, who wrote in about Transistor by contact. Uh, and they say, I bought Transistor when it came out, played for about three hours and kind of forgot about it. I started listening to the episode thinking I was going, uh, it wasn't ever going to beat it, but hearing you talk about the combat system and how fun it was made me want to play it. So I started over from the beginning and beat it in one sitting. Thanks, guys. Also, I think Mr. Transistor and Red are supposed to be married, since at least Red has a ring on her ring finger. Yeah, I did not uh, not catch that. Did not notice that no. detail. There's something in even even in real life, like I I recognize like I don't always notice ring fingers. Mm-hmm. You know, ring rings on ring. Oh, I mean, I notice the fingers. It's not like I think everyone's <laughs> walking around as a Simpson, but like I don't know it. Like notice you know whether people have a ring on, but I know a lot of people who do. Yeah, yeah. They're just like, oh, they're married. And I was like, oh well, shit. Yeah. You know. It's like, I uh, yeah, I never notice people's ring fingers, uh, which makes going out to pick ladies up at bars very awkward. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, man, just the worst. Get slapped so much. Yeah. Um, Cole, Ashley Madison Ross over here. <laughs> Cole, no respect for the sanctity of marriage, Ross. Uh, <laughs> um, I also never pay attention to people's shoes. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. Same thing with shoes. Like, people bring that up and they, they mention it. I'm like, I don't, I don't fucking know, man. Yeah. Like, I don't I, 
I, I walked into work one day wearing flip-flops and like somebody was somebody pulled me aside i, I don't think i've ever seen you wear flip-flops before I'm like, yeah, you don't usually wear them to work, but the one day I do that, you say something. Yeah, I don't. I mean, this is going to be. I know that, that I don't think you're going to follow me this far, but I've given up on matching socks too. Oh yeah, because I figure nobody's looking down at my shoe, like nobody's noticing that shit. I don't notice in other people, and I just figure like, I bought a bunch of like fun socks, like you know, like kind of with colors or patterns or, or things like that, like kind of nice looking socks. Yeah, with race cars but, on them. Yeah, like like race cars are my favorite uh, Digimons and stuff. And the, uh, but I don't want to sort them and organize them. So I just choose two of them and I'm like, well, what does it matter? Like, this is like just a bunch of colors and this one's just a bunch of colors and yeah. they're covered by my cuff and shoe 95% of the time. Who gives mm -hmm. a fuck? Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, no, that, that, that doesn't happen to me, but I only have two kinds of socks, white and black. Yeah. Black, black is everyday wear and white is for when I wear tennis shoes to work out. Mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And for flip-flops. <laughs> of course <laughs> um john writes via contact i have no extra sugar to talk about transistor that you haven't already covered but i wanted to talk about my accidental favorite thing about having played this game on ps4 um, i had forgotten that the dualshock 4 had a speaker in it until the buttery smooth voice of the bodyguard was suddenly emanating from between my hands i've played other games since that have used the controller speaker but all have felt gimmicky whereas Transistor's use of it added a fun personal connection to the images on screen. Yeah, that's pretty clever. Yeah. Like I didn't I didn't play it on that, but I I I like that little move. Yeah, it's a it's a good idea. I I like the uh the quality of voice that that speaker imparts too. Yeah, um, me too. I fired it up after I read this and I went and just I listened to it and like, "Oh yeah, it makes perfect sense. Like I could imagine this coming out of a little speaker on that sword." Yeah. I yeah. like that um the first time I think I noticed that was on the Wii. Um, yeah. playing No More Heroes. And I, I like that quite a bit in that too. Mm -hmm. Anytime you can do that. I, I like I like bad speakers, bad microphones, things like that for yeah. artistic effect. Uh that's used to very good effect in um Silent Hill Shattered Memories. Uh, mm. it's used as your cell phone. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. I was thinking it could be used as your radio, which would be terrifying, like if it uses the same I think I think it's a radio might be mechanic as well. That's pretty it, cool. It's more memorable if it's uh it's more memorable for the phone calls because you get like panicked calls from your daughter begging mm. you to help her. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't. <laughs> Why play Silent Hill Wii to find out? Um, Kyle says, via contact. I think it's a testament to the quality of world building we get throughout the story that we feel anything at all because of Red's decision at the end of Transistor. After all, in a world that is fully digital, who cares if a character passes from one world to the next? It's just a function of being passed to another. The same thing you've been doing the all game. But the world of Cloud Bank is rich enough that inspires some melancholy when Red passes away from it. Even in its ongoing apocalypse, there are many hints of its former vibrance that inspire the imagination and make it feel like something real, however ephemeral, was lost when it all went down to the process. Transistor's unique take on cyberpunk wouldn't be the same without its memorable setting, and Supergiant deserves praise for creating it. Yeah. I know we joked about Junction Jills because it is kind of played for a laugh. They're like, oh gosh, even the flat <laughs> Junction Jam. Junction Jan, sorry. Yeah, um, Junction Jill. We don't talk about Junction Jill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm thinking of? There was a craft store in my hometown called Jilly Junction. That uh, mm. that, that is why that, that is why I remember that. It was like an old. It was like a uh, like a pioneer kind of place. Um, mm. No, but like Junction Jan, like that was such a cool little thing. Like you order your pizza, and your friend or your uh, husband, I guess, like says, "Oh, here's your favorite." And then when all of a sudden it's all boarded up and being assimilated. You know, mm -hmm. there, there there is a, I think melancholy is a good word to it. 
Yeah, it's a good it's a good touch. There's there's a tiny sense of that in um, Bastion. Yep. I think they did it a, a little bit stronger in Transistor. Yeah. Um, you know, in Bastion, you do get a sense of the world, um, and that's really necessary to the plot of Bastion. I would say it's more necessary to the plot of Bastion, mm-hmm. um, but it feels less like like a it feels more fantastical, weirdly enough. Yeah. Even though Cloudbank's very fantastical, but like the world of Bastion, you know, it is uh, it's like a it's a fantasy world rather than something like conceived, uh, you know, in the fiction conceived of by humans. Right. You know, this this feels like um, there's a little bit of paradise to it as conceived by humans as opposed to just an alien world that you have to make these kind of exceptions for because of fantasy. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think they do a great job of that. Yeah. So something we're going to notice here for all of the, um, I, I think, kind of Sturman's wrong about the uh, about Transistor. Like, oh, my gosh, was this a disappointment? Everybody who wrote in is really positive about it. And I don't, I don't know how to account for that. I expected at least, at least one person to, to be like, no, here's why I don't like this, but nope. Yeah. Yeah. They just didn't, I mean, maybe they just didn't, uh, didn't, didn't take the time to do it. Yeah. 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 Um, Ragavan writes via contact. This is my first super giant game and man, was I not prepared for the sheer beauty in this game? I stared in spellbound silence as the visuals and music washed over me. It all just comes together so perfectly to be nearly overwhelmingly beautiful at times. From the soothing OST level design down to the little flowers you can flourish in. Uh, definitely worth anybody's time to experience this game. That's really all I have to say. Glad I could hear your thoughts on it. Also, flourish button, flourish button, flourish button. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Give yeah, me, give like me a, more uh, buttons that do nothing. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is uh, I, I do, do enjoy that quite a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, well said. Uh, John says via contact after playing Bastion, I was surprised how all the elements work together. I didn't think it could be replicated. I was wrong. I really enjoyed how firewall like enemies combined with the, uh, or combined with programming code named attacks mixed with the deletion slash rewrite rewriting story while integrating the app style characters, make it feel like an anthropomorphized PC in a desperate struggle for existence. Even Pyre doesn't fully reach the style of integration. The combat is incredible despite uh, achieving the stylistic heights and showing how form and function can work together to reach a level more than the sum of its parts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well said. Like, it is very of a piece. Yep. Thorough theming. Yeah. And again, uh, you know, just in comparison to Bastion, where Bastion felt, you know, of, of a piece, but it was just like, here's, you know, Gator Slammers and here's Gas Bags. And it's just kind of coming out with cute names for things. These actually have a point of reference in human humanity and kind of human creation yep. that make it feel not only like of a piece, but also very grounded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Can't add anything more than that. Mm-hmm. Weird Autumn writes via contact. I could gush for way too long about how much I love Transistor because I really love that game a lot and replaying it with the show only reinforced that. But I think you guys said most of what I would have to say here. So instead, I wanted to quickly point out a few small world building and story details that I really like. One, about the terminals. Early on, before it becomes clear that this is the end of Cloudbank, Red rewrites all of her comments to be mild and nonspecific because they have to be submitted for moderation. The difference between what she wants to say um, and what she knows she'll be allowed to say is a nice bit of characterization for the city's administration uh, and Red's relationship to it. Number two, Sybil's biography suggests the Camarada's attack went wrong because Sybil lied when she told them Red would be alone. 
Uh, it was probably her goal all along to get Red's boyfriend sucked into the transistor so that she could step in and take his place, not realizing that the consequences of an interrupted, uh, not realizing what the consequences of an interrupted processing could be. And number three, when you start a, uh, a new game plus, the transistor's very first line, hey, Red, we're not getting away with this, are we? Um, is spoken by Royce instead of the usual narrator. I don't think that there's any kind of grand significance to that, and New Game Plus doesn't really do anything else like that, uh, but it's a fun little twist that echoes some of the little narration changes Bastion's New Game Plus had. Hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I did not notice that, even though I did play the the beginning of it uh, just very briefly. Yeah. Um, but I might have, you know, because I'd been I'd played this game before, I might have tuned out mm -hmm. a little bit. I wasn't expecting New Game Plus changes. Yeah. And also, like, the, the theming isn't explicitly uh, cycle-based, like Bastion yes. was. Yeah. 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 And we, we heaped a lot of sugar on the on the rewriting comments being a, an insight into Red's uh, thought process as well. Oh, yeah. 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 I think that, like, as far as uh, kind of mechanics that are ubiquitous everywhere, mm -hmm. New Game Plus has so much to do to win me over. Yeah. Like, I am so rarely in the mood to play a game just again, and especially right away for what I'm offered you know, for, for doing it, you know, even in something like dark souls Two, which I like how that handles it. It's still 95% the same game mm -hmm. just with numbers up, you know, yeah. game plus kind of bums me out. Yeah. There really has to be a pretty, you know, divergent story reason to do it. Like, Hey, there's more, there's more for this that I want to see. Mm -hmm. Um, or it needs to, uh, do something substantial with the power curve. I Man, I know you're not crazy about the game, but chrono trigger does that very well. I think. Yeah. You know, yeah. letting you you know, keep your powers um, and kind of pursue the ending that you want. Yeah. 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 It's it's like there's ways there's ways to do it. But even in the best possible ways, um, there's like little flashes of the problem I had with even with like playing 999 over where mm -hmm. you end up doing a lot of the th same things that are functionally identical. Yeah. You know, yeah. like even if you achieve, you know, a 60 percent difference, you're still looking at 40 percent of just <laughs> kind of rote repetition. Yeah, like it, it's kind of, you know, I'm, I'm I'm right. I'm right on the edge of calling it just like kind of a bad mechanic in general. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think it's 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 a good way to I think you can accomplish the good things about that without. Yeah, yeah. The bad things. And I just think it's it feels like a failure of imagination. Yeah. And we know you that know? near exists. Uh, don't don't add us. <laughs> yeah. Even then, like that's that's like I know that this is not the you know, not strictly the case. I know it's a minor part of it. And there are lots of reasons why I haven't played that game yet and i want to play it mm -hmm. the fact that i'm going to have to repeat stuff is a factor that's stopping me from playing it yeah like i know that it's, it's very different i know that large portions of it are, are changed i know that you can probably you can mitigate some of that repetition even if there's like 20 percent repetition i don't want to mm -hmm. do it yeah. yeah you know i just i i it's very discouraging to like well here you know here, yeah. do, just do the same thing again right after you did it like yeah that yeah. bums me out so much yeah no there, yeah. you need to buffer that with a break to play something else yeah you know, yeah. and my understanding with here is that you don't really want to do that because you're not getting the whole story, mm -hmm. you know, so you're not going to you don't want to do a buffer. You want to, like, just play it like it's one game. But I just wish it was one fucking game. Yeah. You know, um, stop making me repeat things. Video <laughs> games. I don't like it. Yeah. Um, even just psychologically, like even if it ends up, like I said, even if it's a very minor thing, like I just don't like it. Uh, it feels discouraging. Yeah. So um, race has via contact. Uh, you've talked at length about how you both view Bastion as a personal game and as a metaphor for relationships ending. I completely understand that, but something about the aloof driftiness of Bastion made me think of it as an apocalyptic spade. Uh, it was about the end of the world, and that was enough for me. Transistor hit me on a whole other level, though. 
maybe because it was the first game I played through with my girlfriend. Uh, hi, hello, I am a gay gamer. Hello. Uh, um, <laughs> or because it had queer villains, uh, it was instantly much more personal to me. It's a game that features queers destroying the world because it doesn't match their dreams. While I find the whole queer villain trope kind of distasteful, and in the end I found myself wrapping back around to identify with Red, and the game became, uh, for me, kind of a desperate claim for identity in a world of collapsing labels. Who are you when the only thing around is the cloud? What happens when white, male, rich queers dream about killing labels and making a better world but forget about the rest of us? Hmm. The game makes you work very hard for story, too, which in my fevered brain seems a lot like subtext, hiding just for me to find and revel in. If that makes sense, great. If not, I love the fuck out of Transistor because instead of uh, relying on my mediocre reflexes, it was instead a tactical pause if you want jamboree with Gen Z's art. Uh, I loved it, and a video game made me cry. Thanks, Supergiant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't you know pick up that pick up that read, but I don't think that there's... You know, I don't think that's invalid or anything like that. No, no. Uh, just, it makes sense, I guess, is, is my point. It just... It does, yeah. 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 I, like, like, to me, though, those elements read more as, um, you know, unrequited love being a motivation for a great amount of, you know, people hurting each other. But um, I mean, the, the, there definitely could be more and likely is more than that. Yeah. 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 And then the, the sexuality, I took that... When, when I see that in, like, a future-looking game... um. What I would my first instinct, and I'm not saying this is right or anything, is just to think of this as being like a a positive part of kind of speculative fiction. Mm -hmm. You know, like this is just it's, you know, there's going to be a lot, a lot more people more open about mm -hmm. their sexuality in, in the future, you know, yeah. and, and that uh, it feels like a diversity, you know, a, an intentional diversity that is not, you know, not to be confused with a token diversity, mm -hmm. but an intentional diversity. Uh, issue i wouldn't be just because the rest of it didn't read as being about uh you know about queer issues but like it mm -hmm. you know it like i said it follows yeah, yeah. so it makes logical sense mm -hmm. yeah i'm not literate enough in 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 that in that discussion to have an awful lot to add to that read. yeah 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 um yeah so riley writes via contact i love the world transistor establishes I take the view that the last boss is in the real world, a literal server farm, and CloudBank is a virtual city. But, un but unlike the Matrix, this isn't portrayed as a negative thing, and the people of CloudBank aren't viewed in a negative manner. Rather, it's just different than our world. CloudBank actually was a nice place to live, where people were free to pursue their dreams and form connections with one another. Then the ending, where Red chooses to be with the man she loves rather than rule over an empty world, is shown to be a positive thing. Sure, I like sad stories well enough, but Transistor is genuinely a really optimistic, uplifting game about how ultimately other people and our relationships with them is what give life, gives life purpose. Finally, I like the way Transistor tells its story, being vague with certain elements without being meaningless and not feeling the need to spell everything out to the audience like how Red has a triangular ring on her left ring finger, the same shape uh, as on the back of her boyfriend's coat, which implies that they may have been married. Or what CloudBank's diverse populace says about the city itself. It feels like one of the stronger implementations of this kind of storytelling in games. We're the only people who didn't notice that ring. I know, right? <laughs> it's just us. Um, the, uh, I was putting this together. Just, I was like, do I get rid of that ring in these notes to make us not look dumb? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, I like I like that that read on on that quite a bit. Mm -hmm. You know, um, 
Yeah. It is, uh, it is open to interpretation, you know, which is part of that second bit about how it tells its story being vague. Like it is opt in on every level. Yeah. Um, you know, including on, you know, how much you want to bring to yourself and how much work you want to do interpreting it. And there are a lot of different like valid and also equally interesting interpretations. Like this came up more in Bonfireside Chat than it does in WAF, but usually like I will choose the more interesting thematically resonant interpretation of, you know, a little lore lit, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if, if there's not clear evidence. Right, right. To the contrary. Yeah. And in Transistor, like a lot of the the little, those little touches are equally resonant. You know, like that's it, all good. Like if if that is what this game is about, you know, which like we I don't know if we came to a definitive conclusion as to what the country was. Right. You know, right. Uh, when we did the episode. But like if if Riley's right, like that's beautiful and great. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the, she moves in and creates a literal paradise for herself, you know, and 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 her love mm-hmm. uh, that is virtual and empty and in some ways kind of bittersweet. Like that's also great. Yep. You know, there there's any number of these things are all great. Mm hmm. So yeah, it's a, it, is, it uh, gives you plenty of space to play. Yep. It yep. is uh, de- definitely, definitely handled. I think this oblique storytelling and games thing is really going to take off Gary. Oh yeah. 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 Especially. And then, uh, man, can you imagine like if that was again, what that, like that was what we took, like when people were just like, Oh, it's like, it's the dark souls of, and this is what they meant <laughs> as opposed to just like, Oh, it's brutally hard. And they're like, uh, you know, unbalanced difficulty spikes constantly. So, you, you go to war with the cliches you have, not the cliches you want. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Love the one you're with. Yep. Uh, Joel says via contact. Transistor brought me closer to my now fiance. My partner and I met in the USA, but both live in Australia, a state apart. Without being able to see each other very often, we had a few ways to keep close. One was books, Jim Butcher, I'm looking at you, and the other was Transistor. Uh, it's like Transistor was made just for her. She's a trained singer, and her vocal range matches that of Red's perfectly. It gave us another thing to bond deeply over in a tough, long-distance relationship. So in part, I have Transistor to thank for us hanging out, uh, hanging on until this day, five years later. That's very sweet. That's very sweet. Yeah, thank you yeah. for sharing. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. Um, and closing us out of Transistor is Matt. Yeah. Cool list. What's Matt have to say? Uh, Matt has to say, via contact, Transistor weaves a fantastic narrative and has really strong themes without telling you too much information. It allows you to fill in the gaps with your own ideas based on what the game explicitly presents to you. There's a small and subtle sub-story throughout the main plot of the game involving the color of the sky. When you find the sky painter, Farah, uh, sorry, Farah Yondale, uh, her stated motivation is a fun little rhyme. Sky looks blue because we want it to. Uh, at first, it seems like a throwaway piece of fluff. However, that line speaks volumes. When you find the terminal that lets red vote on the color of the sky and you choose blue, the transistor repeats this mantra. Uh, <laughs> when you meet Asher, he speaks about the populace of Cloudbank uh, with disgust for wanting blue skies. So why all of this hubbub about blue skies? Even though this is never stated, I have a plausible theory. Because the real, the real world sky was blue. The virtual utopia of Cloudbank can have anything be manifested for the pleasure of its populace. You can imagine over the years the various sky painters weaving kaleidoscopic atmospheres for the people to enjoy. Then a radical artist named Farah Yondale comes along with a crazy idea. Get this, guys. A blue sky. It doesn't seem so crazy to the player, but to the populace of Cloudbank, having the color of the sky be the same as the pre-utopia world would be radical, a brave artistic choice. This is why the Camerata detests it so much. 
They are the administrators and leaders of this world. And the people have the audacity to choose a blue sky when they could have anything. It would be an insult to their genius. So the highest class of society absentmindedly, oh, the irony, destroy everyone and everything because they think they know better. They start a war over the aesthetic choice because that's all there is in this place. When everything changes, nothing changes, especially the people. Yeah, I, I think that like you're on the, the right track, but I think it's the opposite. Yeah, I think that they would the camarado would resent uh, the, the seeminess of it would like it wouldn't be because I think the camarado would want the, the kaleidoscopic. I think that's, I think that's what they were saying. Like, oh, the pe- the people vote and want a blue sky when they could have anything. They they would they would be pushing for the kaleidoscopic one. Yeah, I, I guess the the part of it that uh, whereas like then a radical artist comes along with a crazy idea. Like, I think it's probably oh, yeah. been blue the entire time Cloudbank's been a thing, and they're saying like, why, you know, why when you can have more? Right? Would you right. choose that? I don't yeah. think I don't think that uh, Farah's like doing that would be new. Right. You know. Right. Um, or yeah. like, you know, as, a, as, as kind of a, it feels like it's just kind of what the camarada seemed disappointed in the fact, like people's lack of imagination. Yeah. And also in the complete democratic sway that the population has over their work as artisans, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a little bit of that, but I think it's mostly just the, the kind of disappointment, yeah. you know? So I think it is an, an aesthetic, uh, crime, you know, on, on, on their behalf, but I think that they would probably, uh, you know, I, I think that the, the it wouldn't be a new thing that the sky was sky was blue. Right. You know, or, you know, who who knows? Right. I don't know. But it, it just uh, it, you know, I think I think that you're on the right track. Yep. With yeah. That. Um, yeah. And then uh, that closes us out for Transistor. We're going to start here with uh, Thimbleweed Park. So thanks, everybody, for writing in about Transistor. Uh, Thimbleweed Park, Sam says via contact. I don't have a lot to say about this game, except that Edna's cameo in the last area of the game was probably the most delightful jump scare I've gotten in a long time. Yep. <laughs> Um, that is fantastic. <laughs> the sound that it plays. Uh, I mean, it's the uh, it's the psycho strings like that. Ring, yeah. Ring, ring. <laughs> Which the, the game had been using, you know, to good effect. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the whole time. But that was genuinely surprising. Like, that's a really masterfully well done uh, kind of thing. <laughs> no. Yep. And that's exactly where you get uh, uh, borne down on by an enemy in uh, in the first game, too. So yeah. main arc engine. Yeah. Yeah. No. Pretty good. Um, oh, man, Gary, I uh, I ordered a Sandy and Dave mug. Sandy and Dave's diner oh, cool. mug. Yeah. So that's on its way. Nice. I, I bought myself some birthday gifts from Fangamer, and that's among yeah. them. Yeah. I still haven't gotten any of my Fangamer stuff what that I ordered it? from that. Like, it's been forever, too. I don't know what's going on. Huh. You need to check. Yeah. No, I'm getting I'm, I'm getting my Hollow Knight plush and all that. Yeah. I should be. What yeah. the hell? So, no. Sad. Um, Evan writes via contact. When I heard the games listed for November, I recognized all of them, but I had not played any of them yet. No biggie, as I love listening to Gary and Cole banter about anything. When the episode for Thimbleweed Park came on my feed, I started listening. 45 minutes into it, I paused, went to my Switch, and downloaded the game. I've been playing it nonstop ever since. The way you both talked about all the clever in-jokes and nods to past games, the sprinkles of ridiculous and silly situations and dialogue options, it reminded me of the first time that I played Maniac Mansion and Monkey Island. Both of these games stick out in my mind as timeless classics, and Thimbleweed Park has the same feel of love, care for the player, and ridiculousness baked into it. Yeah. No disagreements agreed. here. <laughs> yeah, agreed. It is it feels like um, you know, we, we talked about this a lot in the episode, but it feels like the the worthy successor to me. Yeah. You know, to, to those games. Like much more so than other things that have been kind of posited as such. Like this feels <laughs> like a classic LucasArts game. Yeah. And what I want out of it. 
more so even than the explicitly LucasArts uh, licensed things that like even Telltale made early, you know, in early Telltale to me. Oh yeah, yeah, the like uh, Monkey Island things. Yes. Or, no, no, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they they made the episodes of Monkey Island. Yeah. Monkey Island, Sam and Max. Yeah, yeah. Thing like these these definitely feel like I like those games actually. Yeah, they're fine. Like, those are those are weird middle period adventure game stuff mm-hmm. like that first season of Saturn Axe is really good yeah um but yeah i like this significantly more mm-hmm. yeah no, um, nothing about it feels like it squanders anything yes yeah. yeah or is cynical or misses the point right like they they did uh it, there's there's uh shades of like thimbleweed park is to monkey island 2 as shovel knight is to like mega man 2 yeah you know it it is like just the it's eight big games how you remember them <laughs> as opposed to how they actually are yeah um Justin says via contact, I came into Thimbleweed Park expecting a solid throwback adventure game. I did not expect a definitely designed and hilarious modern adventure game that stands side by side with the current crop of amazing point and click titles, a.k.a. Uh, Techno Babylon, Primordia, Dropsy. My hope is that with their success uh, of Thimbleweed Park, folks see how great these games can be and treat the genre as alive and well. Yeah. Yeah, I have not played any of those games no no i've, I've played I have a dropsy bit on my dropsy. list it's on my radar for ever but yeah I'd, for aver for for aver yeah for no dro- dropsy yeah. i understand is uh like an unqualified excellent game like uh yeah. um, i i've seen primordia on sale in techno babylon i have no 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 reckoning of yeah yeah i, I wonder so you know talking about thimbleweed park as the savior for the genre Will Thimble like will Thimbleweed Park actually broaden the the boundaries? Like get more people into adventure games? Like this doesn't seem like it's for a general audience. Yeah, I don't know. I think that it it might just in that like if you wanted to show somebody a classic adventure game, this is a good way to do it because it has a lot of ease of use. It's like visually more attractive. Yeah, you know, it's audio attractive. It runs on everything. You know, it's really customizable. So in some ways, it might just because it is you know, a version of the genre, you know, of the genre that is, you know, presents well. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a you paragon know? of the form. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it could, but also I think that it's got, uh, the in jokey and kind of the meta nature of it is for fans of, yeah, yeah. you know, so it's, it can, it's kind of both, but it doesn't rely on those things exclusively. No, no. You know, there are lots of jokes. that are just kind of general all purpose jokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Andrew says, uh, and, yeah, I said this earlier and I think we cut it out, but like, I apologize for all the noise that's going on. My, my landlords are cleaning and stuff yep. upstairs just so everybody knows. Um, Andrew says, uh, is this me or you? Uh, this will be me. Andrew oh, okay. says, I've got two quick observations to make about Thimbleweed Park. One, I love Dolores. She isn't Laura Croft. She isn't Jill Valentine. She's just a normal girl who is into tech stuff. It's so awesome. She's the best. Number two, the helpline is amazing. It took me a while to finally articulate why. Rather than tell you what to do, the hint line tells you what not to do. In other words, what to stop beating your head against. It worked absolutely perfectly, and anyone using Google to solve the puzzles is doing it wrong. Um, cheers, guys. And in the words of Ransom, thanks a f***ing lot for doing such a f***ing good game. Mm-hmm. I put in the beeps there. Don't worry, Gary. Yeah. I, uh, I agree with both. Mm-hmm. The uh, Yeah, I, I love Dolores. One of the best characters to come out this year. By far, yeah, breakout and character. And I love that really line. good characters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there are tons of tons of great characters came out this year, yeah. and uh, the uh, Dolores is great. Mm-hmm. So thanks everybody uh, for your comments about Thimbleweed Park and moving into Actraiser. Uh, and and actually an Actraiser Thimbleweed combo. Imagine that game. Uh, <laughs> Doug says via contact. Uh, well, this month's games made old man Doug's heart grow three sizes. 
Get that Act checked out. is a say what? Get that checked out. Yeah, it is. <laughs> ah, my lungs. Um, <laughs> Act Razor is a beloved classic for me, and Thimbleweed Park perfectly recreated the look and feel of the point-and-click adventures that I cut my teeth on. Uh, but I was born in 1980, and I'm curious to hear perspectives on these games from younger folks coming to them after the fact, rather than growing up on them. Act Razor was, for me, like the moment when The Wizard of Oz goes from black and white to color. So much of gaming at the time was homogenous, run, run to the right fair, with the occasional puzzle or sim game. ActRaiser was a very rare combination of a variety of gameplay modes in, in a level, uh, level of diversity and polish uh, I cannot recall encountering before. Even more impressive is the fact that these disparate elements hang together so well, but none of ActRaiser's individual components are too complex. I could see someone saying in retrospect that ActRaiser is merely a marriage of a stiff platformer and a dumbed-down Sin City. I personally think that integration ignores ActRaiser's historical place as a game that opened up possibilities and doesn't give enough credit to the way the game's pieces mesh. Again, this could be a generational thing. I have similar thoughts about Thimbleweed. It is certainly a nostalgia fest, and it stands up against the LucasArts slash Sierra adventures of the 80s and 90s. But would a younger player enjoy pixel hunting and combining items with other items? I'd like to think so, but games like Thimbleweed certainly lack the market share they used to, and I can only assume that's because younger generations cease to find these gameplay types compelling. I'm glad that shows like WAF help shine a spotlight on these games. Whether it's a simple, well-cooked steak like Thimbleweed or a fusion cuisine like ActRaiser, both games show it's important to iterate on the past without losing it. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go push a hoop with a stick. It's more fun than it seems. Don't knock it till you tried it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I too was born in 1980. I'm with you, Doug. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I wonder how different the show would be if we were both born in the same year. Yeah, like probably a little bit. Yeah. There'd be, there'd be a lesson you jerking off to Sonic. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Okay. Um, I don't like one of the things just real quick in that response is that Thimbleweed doesn't have that many like item combining puzzles. No. Um, there's, I mean, there's only a couple of them I can think of. Most of it is environmental stuff, mm-hmm. um, which is a lot easier to conceive of, I think, and feels a lot less like trial and error. Yeah. Um, you know? And the way that, uh, the, the way that the item combinations generally work is you're gathering three of a thing or three doodads. Like they, like that is the culmination of a couple of different puzzles to get there. I'm thinking yeah. of, uh, um, oh gosh, making the ink for the, yeah. uh, for the, for the typewriter. Yeah, it's it's you know combining them is not the, the like the puzzle you know it right. doesn't feel arbitrary. So it's yeah. a good it's a good articulation of that, and and for the other piece the the actors the way they mesh like, you know combining those two things they are greater than some of their parts because they form like a rhythm you mm-hmm. know like a, a action and rest kind of uh you know kind of back and forth yeah, but it's very cool yeah. Actually, I, th- I thought of a metaphor for actraiser. It's not like a Reese's cup. It's like Reese's pieces. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's never it's it's never the two of them concurrently, but they are in sequence mixed together. Yeah, yeah, I'll take it. I think I might just be hungry, Gary. Um, <laughs> got to get, get you a snack. Um, oh, get so you going to Sonic's where your favorite hedgehog will <laughs> a burger for you to jerk off into. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to make a special sauce joke. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so for just the straight up the real act razor stuff, we've got mm-hmm. Zane who writes in saying, I'm greatly looking forward to a sketch about oh. act Frazier. That is Fuck. all. Yeah, so we, much, we missed an opportunity. Good. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I like the the sketch that we went to. I, I forgot that we were doing this appendix. Cool. Uh-huh. I was gonna make this a special object suffering thing, but it makes more sense here. Um, I made my way to an Arby's okay. yesterday because uh, <laughs> I had to take the cat to the vet, and they had to take him for like a half hour. I had some time, and I was very hungry. 
and it happened to be by one of like three Arby's in Portland. Okay. And I walked over there and like, it was fine, but it did not match my craving. Like I've been having this craving since we recorded <laughs> that Arby's thing. I was just like, man, Arby's like, yeah. and I, I haven't been there since they, they rebranded themselves as like the, the cooked food. Yeah. Cooked food butcher shop. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it is the number of animals you can get there. is just crazy. <laughs> does, does yours still have venison? Cause mine had uh, venison. <laughs> No, it is it is fried turkey now. Okay, yeah, uh, or like different different kinds of turkey. Yeah, um, and it it, it was like good. Uh huh. But it was such a like depressing scene <laughs> in, in in the thing. Everybody looked like they were working uh at like the afterlife life in Beetlejuice. <laughs> like it was like all these dead eyed teens like, just like uh. depressed to be working in a North Portland Arby's. Um, <laughs> but Ash Fraser is very good, and yeah. that I wish we had done it. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a very good yeah. idea, Zane. Where were you two weeks ago? <laughs> yeah, why didn't you just unsolicitly like <laughs> you unsolicited. could have sent help? Slide into our DMs. <laughs> um, Gordon says via contact. Somehow I'd gotten into my head uh, that it was some kind of knockoff zombies ate my neighbors, and uh, talking about actor Yeah, yeah. And so I only played for the first time last month. It's a strange little beast, isn't it? Each individual part doesn't quite work, but they come together to be strangely compelling. The city builder in particular doesn't uh, really feature any meaningful decisions, but watching these idiots build is really satisfying and manages to create uh, surprisingly moving moments just by having a sprite or two missing from the prayer screen. Having all changes you make on the city map show up in the world map was a masterstroke of design and really cemented the feeling of incremental improvements having a global effect. Yeah, we didn't talk about that in the main episode, but that that is true. That's a good touch. Yeah. Seeing your yep, people yep. go forth and multiply. Um <laughs> I like calling them those little idiots. Uh, also, I like the idea of ha- like buying an ant farm, but showing nothing, be- nothing but contempt for the ants. Yeah, <laughs> why I get that? I fucking hate ants. Still a piece of shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I do hate ants. <laughs> um, ruined my picnic. Um, and finally, we have Kyle who says via contact. As a kid, I loved Actraiser with all my heart. Big arcade-like sprites, fantastic music by Yuzo Koshiro, and two whole game modes in one cool fantasy game. This was a game that inspired wonder in me. However, as I have become older, my feelings about the games have become more ambivalent. Aside from the problems of execution the game has, I think I just don't like the design lessons we can take from it, which, despite its cult status, points more toward the later successes of big, shallow theme park-style games like Destiny than the kinds of games that I actually like. Actraiser doesn't succeed despite how shallow its individual elements are, but because of how shallow they are. Having a lot of rather basic game elements combined in a loop that has a good flow because uh, nothing is overly involved is what makes this game work as a game and not just as an audiovisual experience. Outside of its cult classic context and transposed onto AAA game design, this approach now seems less charming and more cynical and tiresome. I get, I mean, I can kind of see that, mm-hmm. but it, it's very, um, like it's, it's pretty abstract. Like it, it's pretty indirect the way this would translate onto destiny to yeah. me. Like it, it's, uh, you know, destiny gets by, you know, my understanding, like I have not played it, but I've read a lot about it. Cause it's an interesting, you know, it was interesting that all my friends were playing a game that nobody thought was great. <laughs> yep. Nobody thought was even particularly good. Like everyone would like tons of people were playing and they're just like, yeah, you know, it passes the time. And then, uh, God, what extra credits did a video that's like, it's the, it's the law and order 
of video games. <laughs> like it is made for when you cannot be challenged by art. You have to sit down and play Destiny because it just passes the time and you shoot stuff. That is the the big thing I take away from Destiny's like more predatory kind of loop. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that that is what ActRaiser was. ActRaiser feels more earnest and just kind of inept. So adding that cynicism to transpose that on a AAA game design is a really big step. Like, I don't think it's a direct line. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think that cynicism is the problem, not the fact that it's combining smaller elements that doesn't do particularly well. Yeah. Like, tactically deployed shallowness, you know, it's not something I've ever, like, you know, made a note of before. I would have mm-hmm. to do some more do some more thinking to see if I could find any any other any other instances where I could say like, Oh yeah, like this is that taken to its, to its conclusion. And I have yeah. no idea what that means. Like it, it might just be the, um, Oh gosh. Um, Oh, Tomb Raider, the modern Tomb Raider stuff where like now I'm doing this and now I'm doing this and yeah. those individual things are the same, but that is, that is such a rapid shift as opposed to, as opposed to ActRaiser, which seems more, uh, you know, kind of substantially modal than that. Yeah. Yeah. And in games where they do have those those, those kind of parts, like a, a good example of tactically dis- deployed shallowness would be, I feel like, like hacking in, in Human Revolution, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, if that were a lot deeper, it wouldn't be better. You know, so like I just don't I think and but I, and I don't think that Human Revolution has the same problems that, say, like Destiny does. No. You know, so I think that's what I when I say that I don't think that transposes like really onto a triple A space. I think that's what that's what I mean. It's not it's not the 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 tactically deployed shallowness that sucks about destiny. You know, it's that it's a shooter Diablo. Right. You know? Um, yeah. 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 I I get the point. Like I understand, understand the point. I just think it's too many steps to move over. Yeah. It's thought provoking. I don't, I want to, I want to think about it some more. Yeah. Um, yeah, destiny's weird, man. Yeah. Um, the, uh, yeah. So thanks everybody. For writing in uh if you have things to say about the witcher 3 the wild hunt uh but not the expansions and if expansion chat gets in there and if anybody spoils anything from me from the expansions you're banned <laughs> uh so <laughs> I, I won't let that get to you gary i will definitely um uh hop on that grenade for you because I'm, I'm probably just because a couple people have hinted a couple things around around it or they was and, and more innocently i think they've assumed that i've played it uh-huh. So they they've uh, they've said a couple things on Twitter and it's like just going to I was going to wait until we cover them to play them. But I'm probably going to play them over December just so oh, I can. God. The, the temptation is so great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And also just like I keep sitting down to play games and it's like, well, what do I want to play? Like I have some <laughs> extra time before, you know, because I'm ahead of schedule. Uh-huh. Um, and like that's that is what I want to play because Witcher 3 is a very special kind of game where I played 80 hours and like still would really like to play more. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so please don't uh, don't spoil it for me. But if you have things to say about it, uh, December 15th is your deadline. Yes. Uh, write that in at duckfeed.tv slash contact. A uh, couple of reminders. Um, if you want to get your response on the show, um, make it short. Not like, you know, a couple sentences, like we had a couple of mm-hmm. those in there, you know, it's for uh, a cool. And those are fine, too. Yeah, the, 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 those are fine. Don't feel like you have to limit yourself, but like think like a, like two paragraphs. Yeah. Um, is, a paragraph is probably... or two is good. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, we tend to favor, um, either personal stories or, um, you know, anecdotes about something weird that happened in the game or things that we may not have noticed, et cetera. Um, as opposed to things that are kind of like more generally, uh, kind of a broad statement or, or a review. Yeah. I mean, another way to put it, if you don't have like a, a, 
you know, don't think that because you don't have a story about it, you can't write in, mm -hmm. but specificity yes. is what, what we're looking for. So like, you know, just like kind of reviewing the game is not, you know, that's fine, mm -hmm. you know, and, it, and it's, and it's not that we're not interested in knowing what you think about the game generally, but like yeah. hammer in on one aspect that proves your point or just make your kind of general point. Yep. You know, it's a lot easier to engage with than, you know, a, a like seven or eight, you know, paragraph long, like review that looks like, you know, that could be like on a website. Yeah. You know, and, and then we have to kind of address every point, point by point and stuff. And that's not really the the purview of of the appendix episodes. No. So not, a, you know, not trying to make anybody feel bad, not trying to discourage anybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really do appreciate when people do write in. But those are the things we're looking for. Yeah. Also, please don't feel bad if we do some minor editing. Like on a lot of these, I take out like praise or when people say nice things about us just because we want yeah. to get right to the meat. So, yeah, it's still very nice that you, that yes. you do it. It, it goes so noted. We, we, we appreciate it. Yep. Um, cool. What are we doing in January? January. Oh, 2018 is a wide open frontier. Um, yeah. And it's getting less wide open because we have decided what one of the months is about. Um, yeah. This is going to be a bit of a grab bag. Um, the first game that we're going to be covering is actually an episode we've already done. Yeah. Yeah. Cheating. <laughs> Ethics and games journalism. Yeah. Um, or we want a Christmas break. <laughs> All these guys, all these podcasters. <laughs> more, more accurately, the the open, <laughs> the first month or the first week of January, we're going to be releasing our live episode about the WarioWare series. Yeah, um, if that doesn't, you know, those are shorter episodes. Some people don't like those, but it also is coupled with us talking about that weekend, and I think those are, I think those are fun. Yeah, um, you know, if you if you are a fan of us just dicking around, um, yeah. So uh, so WarioWare. Yeah, uh, and also that means you're going to have a chance to write in about WarioWare. Yeah, and pretty much the whole series is on. You know, we cover the whole series, so the whole right. thing is on deck. Yeah. Um, cool. What I'm gonna let you name these because I don't remember exactly what order. <laughs> right. Right. Um, the second game is actually an executive produced um, episode. Uh, it's going to be uh, Child of Light. Of cool. Yep. Sorry. Cool. I have to be very, very, very careful because Child of Light and Child of Eden are two very different things. Mm. Um, yeah. and I, I, I had child of Eden written down, but I'm referring to child mm. of light, the, um, Ubisoft turn-based RPG, um, that is done in their really cool 2d art engine. Yeah. I'm yeah. looking, I don't know very much about this. I'm looking forward to checking it out. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. So as, as we mentioned, this was executive produced, which means that somebody uh, who patronized us, which will rest Eric. assured if you're, if you're waiting for that, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, Eric, uh, you know, uh, generously supported us and got to choose something we'd cover. Um, so looking forward to trying that. Um, it is a good way for me after uh, the after years <laughs> to even flirt with the idea of doing something, uh, of touching the hated genre again. <laughs> so yeah, we'll see. We'll see child of light. Can you make up for the after years? Um, we shall find out. We shall find out after that. Um, the final game of January is going to be dungeon keeper two. Yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah. Getting back to that weird period of like late nineties PC gaming, like mid late nineties PC gaming, which is mm -hmm. so good. Yeah. Um, that game is widely available on GOG, um, runs well, et cetera. Um, and is a very, very, very cool game. If yeah. people have not played it is, is, uh, definitely as far as that series go, that is the time Peter Molyneux got things right. Um, you know, cause he's so, very rarely does. Um, and it is a really uh, interesting kind of subversive, you know, you are the bad guy game with a really cute sense of humor. Mm -hmm. um, it's great. Yep. 
into it. So. I've uh, I've wanted to dive into this in earnest for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Did so I that... did I just say that that was maybe is that not Peter Molyneux? No, it's, Peter it's, it's Bullfrog. It's yeah. Bullfrog. Yeah. So it is right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit, man. Okay. Um, I was, you know, pretty sure. <laughs> I, I, but I was like, I would have yeah. corrected you. <laughs> yeah, they're they're gonna get me. Um, so really looking forward to playing that. And uh, it's been a you know we haven't really done that kind of like sim management game exactly like that mm-hmm. yet. Yeah. So that's also this cool uh, kind of um, hybrid as well with strategy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah strategy you can go in first person. It's neat. Yeah. Looking. Yeah. Into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's uh, if you have anything to say about that. The deadline for that is uh, January fifteenth. Yes. And uh, we have kind of the rest of the first quarter of 2018 planned and it's very cool yes so uh look forward to that if you want to executive produce games or choose theme months which is what february is going to be spoiler <laughs> um you can do so by going to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv uh, we really do appreciate all the support and uh if you're able to give please do even a little bit makes a big difference and uh that's the reason why we can do this yes um so. if you are listening to this the day that it comes out for the public let me see here. Uh, we still have some time before Duckstream happens. So I yes. know we're talking about know, the, the Patreon giving us money. Um, however, this is a chance for you to watch us play some games and also donate to a really cool cause. So that is yes. taking place um, over the uh, weekend of December the 8th, 9th, and 10th. That is 48 mm-hmm. hours of duck feed people playing video games. Uh, we're going to have the schedule up here sometime before then. Uh, to support yeah. the Transactive Gender Center. Absolutely. Yeah. And then finally, while we're on the money portion of I mean, it, all this money stuff coming together. Mm-hmm. Apologies uh, for that, listeners. Um, unless we're too crass. But we are coming up on the holiday season. Um, if you are going to buy things uh, on Amazon.com, if you go to duckfeed.tv slash tip jar, um, we have a referral link. You can click that, bookmark it, um, be a big favor to us. And then every time you buy something from Amazon, we get a little cut. It doesn't cost you anything. Right. Um, and it actually does make a really big difference around the holidays. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it is that is when we have our Black Friday as far as the referral link. Yes. So, um, so if you're going to be buying somebody one of those big things of like different flavors of popcorn for the holidays mm-hmm. as a as a quick gift on Amazon, uh, then actually they just send us a little envelope with some popcorn in it. It's pretty yeah, cool. Some, yeah. some seeds that we can use then to grow <laughs> yeah. corn. <laughs> that can then become popcorn or one of those uh, discs of Danish butter cookies. Oh, yeah. We get half of the ones that are shaped like flowers. Yeah, we get all the misshapen ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the factory rejects. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, yeah, D- Danish butter, like butter cookies. <laughs> butter. <laughs> like, Danish margarine cookies. Yes. That's what we get. Um, yeah. So uh, thanks, thanks a lot for listening. And uh, we will see you again uh, next week. With Witchin. Or no, with, uh, yeah, with Witchin. Yeah, with Witchin. Mm -hmm.